Levine. Very happy to have each and every one of you here with us today, and welcome to those who are watching online today as well. All right, I'd like to invite everybody to stand. We'll have a word of prayer and then get started with worship. Lord, we want to thank you for bringing us all together here today safely. I want to thank you for everything that you've done in our lives throughout the week and everything we know you'll continue to do. I always ask that you come be in our midst today as we worship you. In your name we pray. Amen.
everybody take a second, turn around, and say hello to somebody. My name's Allie, and we're glad you're here. If you're new here, go ahead and pick up one of these forms from the seat back in front of you, fill it out, and drop it in the offering bag as it goes through. 2023 Women's Retreat is September 14th through 16th. Women over 18 are welcome to come, but you must register by August 6th if you want a shirt. See the information table for more details. Our next baptism is Sunday, July 30th at Carmody Park. Come celebrate with those getting baptized in the creek at 2 p.m. See you there. Our annual dessert auction is August 6th after the 11 a.m. service. Free lunch for those who are staying to bid on the items. Come for lots of fun and to get some good desserts. Thanks for watching the announcements. If you need any more information, go to our website or pick up a bulletin. Thanks for being here and enjoy the service. Good morning. Good morning. Slowly walking up here. How's everyone? Good. Tired? Me too. I just want to lay down, but I got to preach. So my mom passed away and I did her funeral last week. So this week I've just been in a fog. I mean, I'm doing everything I always do, but it's like pushing through. So anyway, sermon's going to be short. Hope you don't mind. Anybody object to that? I, I, I preached last week. I, when I did my mom's funeral, it was at Penrose Baptist Church. And that's the church I grew up in. My dad built that church and he was the first preacher. And, uh, the first time I preached there, you know this story. The first time I preached there, I was, I'm 18 years old, and uh, I preached on John 3:16 for God's. And my sermon lasted five minutes. And I'm at the door greeting people. They're patting me on the back. They're saying it's the best sermon they've ever heard. That I'm going to be the best preacher ever. And I, I, you know, as 18 year old, I thought, wow, Billy Graham, look out, right? And uh, they just were happy to get out of church early. So today's sermon will be short, maybe. I don't know. Um, Back to school supplies. If you got one of these, grab one. Um, Friday, August the 4th through the 6th is tax-free weekend where you can buy the stuff for free. Bring it here. We give it away at our, at our free store, okay? Um, baptism coming up next Sunday. So if you've decided to follow Jesus, you've not been baptized, that's actually your confession saying, I'm going to identify with his death, burial, and resurrection. That's at Carmody Park. So fill out a little piece of paper. Tell me. And if you have kids who are getting baptized, write their whole name down because Vicky will print them a certificate, Okay? National Night Out's coming out. We'll deal with that next week. So let me say a prayer, and we'll take up the offering. So, Lord, just thank you that we can give to you.
Thank you that you gave it all for us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we uh, started eight weeks ago called the Summer of Love, talking about love in the Bible, and uh, is anyone old enough to remember the original Summer of Love, 1968, 67, you guys are old hippies, yep, uh, one guy this morning told me he went and saw the Jesus Revolution movie and thought of me, <laughs> but anyway, because I was a part of that stuff, so uh, we started looking at this, and, and uh, because... You know, there's all kinds of songs. You know, what the world needs now is love. Beatles, all you need is love, and because the world's pretty messed up. And uh, and so Jesus came to demonstrate what real love died on the cross. He arose from the dead, and so we're supposed to learn how to live the Jesus life out, right? So we looked at these things. I think here we go. We talked about how that uh, guy came to Jesus and said, "What's well, the greatest commandment?" Jesus said, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself." Actually, that sums Christianity up. All the rest, I, when I talk to people who aren't Christians, I always tell them this verse. And then I say the church made up all the rest. We're supposed to love God and love your neighbor. That's it, right? You follow Jesus, love God, love your neighbor. Then everything else will fall in, in place, okay? Uh, Jesus said that we're supposed to love each other like he loved us. Um, he even said this, you know, real love, a person who really loves will lay down their life for his friends. You know that scripture, greater love hath no man that a man will lay down his life for his friends. Um, the only way the world will know that we're his followers is if we love each other, right? Um, and we saw that real love is patient and kind, okay? Um, when I read those things and I think about the modern church and modern Christians, it's like it's the opposite. It's like they're the opposite of that. A lot of times you interview people who are, who are Christians, they'll say, well, Christians are judgmental and they're all these different kinds. Of, there's a list a mile long. Uh, but we're supposed to live our life like Jesus, that we're not so, supposed to get stuck in culture wars and all the craziness going on. We're just supposed to love God and love our neighbor. Love God, take care of your family, take care of your community. That's it, right? So, um, I don't even know what, let's bring up the next slide, okay? Love, okay, Mark talked about this last week. He said that love isn't rude. It, it doesn't dishonor others. And, and uh, I put in my notes uh, but right beside that, 
When I, when I read that, and after I heard his sermon, I, I thought of junior high. Does anybody remember junior high? Can you go back that far? Junior high, in my day, is when you walk down the hall and guys punch you. Okay, and then they say stupid stuff. You know, and then they put each other down. My, when my kids uh, were in junior high, they'd come home and they'd start doing that at home. I said, we don't do this here. We don't, like, trash each other, and we don't put each other down, and we're not rude, and we don't dishonor each other. I said, you, you know, we don't do this in this house. As I was thinking about that, I thought, man, we live in junior high now. You know, junior high grew up and politicians are in junior high. They're rude and they dishonor. And, and almost everybody in society does that. We dishonor each other. We're rude to each other. And, and Paul is saying, we don't do that. If you're a follower of Jesus, you don't do that. You know, you're supposed to love God and you're supposed to, to love your neighbor. And so, um, today I'm going to look at what love isn't. Okay? And go to read the scripture. And you can put love at the beginning. This is it. Uh, love is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I have a busy work week, and by the time Sunday rolls around, I'm tired. So how about a church service that starts when I get there? Can do. When you arrive, we begin. This guy, he plays by his own rules. We want to find a church where if he starts screaming, we're not the bad guys. Say no more. (laughs) If your baby's screaming, you stay seated. The others around you can leave. You know, financially, Sherry and I don't give a lot to the church, but we'd sure like to know who does. All right, if you join now, you'll know what every person gives in detail. When I'm in the church service, can my car get a buff and a wax? Not just that, but an oil change and a tune-up. Hey, how about tickets to the Super Bowl? That's asking too much. I'm serious. If I'm going to join, I want tickets to the big game. All right, you join now, and we'll get you there. I like a pony. Look in your backyard. Me Church, where it's all about you. I love that video. I've shown it a bunch of times. My favorite is when the guy goes to kiss his wife and she, she moves away from him. I, I just think that's, that's awesome. What love isn't. Love is not self-seeking is what Paul says in that passage, right? Um, back in the fall or whenever it was, we, we did the, the book, uh, uh, The Purpose Driven Life. What, what on earth are we here for by Rick Warren? And it was a 40 day thing, like a little devotion each day. Day one said that. It's not about you. We live in a culture when everything is about us. Uh, everything's about me, right? Uh, but Rick Warren is saying, you have to begin with God. If you want to live a purposeful life, a life that's fulfilled, you got to start out with this relationship. You need that relationship started out, and then the rest will kind of fall in place. And so we live in a culture that's totally self-focused. Uh, we all want our needs met. We're all, you know, um, we kind of see that love something different. You know, we see the movies and all this kinds of stuff. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. As I preached a few weeks ago, it's, it's what you do. But um, we, you know, I, I put in my notes too. Sometimes we, we, we think uh, it's not always looking out for number one. And when I say that, we all know what that means. We're number one. You know, that we got to look out for number one. But, but real love is not self-seeking. Real love is other-seeking. The Greek uh, phrase literally says, does not seek the things of itself. 
It's about self-focus. And, and uh, the Corinthian church, Paul's writing this church is about three years old. And they're a mess. And so he's trying to correct them. A lot of times we read the Bible. Some of the things in the Bible, he's writing to a church a letter to say, look, dude, uh, King James Version, right? You need to straighten up, right? So, so the Corinthian church, they were divided about leadership. They would argue about who was the best preacher. Some like Paul, some like Apollos, some like Cephas. And then the non-denominational said, we just like Jesus, right? And so they're always divided. Some people say, well, I like Mark, I like Chuck, I like whoever, you know. And they were, they were divided about leadership. They argued about, they argued about everything. Uh, they, they argued, some of them didn't like Paul, period. And he had all kinds of critics. And so they are always, you know, having preacher for dinner, you know, on Sundays after church, right? Um, I, I pastored a church for a while and, and, uh, the kids didn't like church and I, and I couldn't figure out the parents made them come every week. And, and I did, I discovered that they had roasted pastor for lunch every Sunday. And they also roasted everybody else in the church. So the kids grew up in a church saying, why would I want to be with those people? My parents talk about them all the time. They don't like them. So why would I like them? And so, uh, sometimes there are bad attitudes that are going on. Uh, they were legalistic in, in that church. They were suing each other. And Paul is saying, you shouldn't take your brother to court. You need to settle things. You don't need to go to court before non-Christians and demonstrate that you can't get along, which is the opposite of loving each other. And, and then it's an attitude toward the Lord's Supper. When they would take the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist like we do at the end of every service, they had a meal. It was called the love feast. And this is what would go down. The rich people would eat up all the food first. And then the poor people would come in and didn't have anything left. And then they would argue about it. And Paul, and then they would take the Lord's Supper. And Paul says, this isn't the Lord's Supper. You, you, you have division that's going on. And then they had a crazy attitude about spiritual gifts. Like chapters 12, 13, 14, uh, they argued about spiritual gifts and who was the, the most spiritual person. And, and they had different levels of things. And, and uh, Paul balances that out with 1 Corinthians 13. Chapter 12 is about spiritual gifts. Chapter 14 is about spiritual gifts. Chapter 13 is about love. And Paul says, look. If you can, you speak in tongues of angels and don't have love, you're making noise. Uh, if you give everything away to the poor and don't have love, it doesn't mean anything. That, that it's all about love. And so, self-seeking isn't the way a follower of Jesus is supposed to live, right? Uh, it has, you know, a person who's that way doesn't have any regard for, for the interests of other people. And so Paul's saying, love isn't that. That's not love. That's not how we live. That's not how we play. Uh, that we love each other and, and, and that's the deal. Um, a person who's demanding all the time and tramples on the rights of other people isn't showing love because we're supposed to be considerate. So love isn't self-seeking. And by the way, this sermon's going to be short too because I've been in the fog all week, so you're lucky you even get a sermon. All right, how's that? All right. So number two, love is not easily angered. Um, the Greek word is just to sharpen, to stimulate, rouse to anger. Uh, the Philip, uh, Philip's translation says this, that love is not touchy. Okay, that's a good term. Love doesn't have a hair trigger. Uh, some people, you know that, that everyone else has to walk around on eggshells because they're afraid that they're going to go off or they're going to offend them or something like that. And, and he's saying love isn't like that. Um, some people, they're so easily offended or touched or touch or whatever, it's like they explode and they go off on you. It's like a bomb. And any time a bomb goes off, there's always damage. And there's always casualties. And some people like that. And Paul's saying love is not like that. Love does not go off on, on people. Um, it's different. And when you're angry, usually you're not loving. The book of Proverbs, when I was a teenager, um, I started a habit of reading Proverbs. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs. 
And so Proverbs are Proverbs. The, it's the wisdom book of the Old Testament. So I, I started, I would read chap, a chapter that corresponds to the date. Okay? And so there's a bunch of things in the book of Proverbs about anger. So listen to a few of them. And don't get mad at me for reading these to you. That was a joke. You missed it. Here we go. An angry man stirs up dissension, and a hot-tempered one commits many sins. Better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper, than one who takes a city. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. I used to tell that teenage girls, don't date a guy who's got a temper. It'll mess you up. Proverbs 29, I like this one too. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. It's like that some people are, are, are like a volcano. They're just bubbling, 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 and boom, then, then they explode. You know, or some people, you, you see that they lose it, you know, and, and their face gets red, and you can see all their veins, and, and they're, they're going off on you. And, and Paul was saying that that's not love, okay? Love doesn't, doesn't work that way. Now, people have tempers. You know, when someone dies, you, 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 you get with your family and stuff and tell stories and, and my older brother Gary was telling my brother, my son Mark, that I used to have a temper as a kid, that I tried to kill him with a brick. And I did. I failed because he's still here. Uh, but I'll give you the reasons, and it would might make you angry too. If you have a brother, you'll understand that you torture each other. So Gary would hold me down, and then he would spit. Only he would let it come out and then suck it back in. You know, it's just torture. It's like water, waterboarding somebody, you know, so he do that. And I'm just like, so I, I was laying someplace, I had a brick, and so I tried to get him with it. I didn't get him with it. But I used to have a temper. But when I became a follower of Jesus, he started helping me with that temper. And the only time now I get angry is, is when I'm hungry. Okay, but other, other than that, right? Uh, so, but some people just go off. And Paul is saying, you know what, that's not love. You know, love isn't self-seeking, and, and love isn't, uh, easily angered, okay? Uh, love doesn't go off at the slightest thing. Um, and I put a bunch of things in my notes. The focus is what he's saying. It's not irritability, irritability and being easily provoked. Uh, people go off quickly, hair-triggered, constantly angry. Some people are just consistently angry. And, and as followers of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit. We've, def- we've invited Jesus in our life, and we have the Holy Spirit. And Galatians tells us the fruit of the Spirit is love, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and all those things. It even goes down to self-control. King James says, long-suffering for patience. And, and long-suffering means you suffer long, but you're able to bear with people. So Paul is saying, you know, real love isn't easily angered. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. This is a big one. Okay, this is an accounting word. It's used of uh, numerical calculations, okay? It, it's like this. I don't know if you know it, but I know some people that, that I've even heard people say, well, I'm, I'm going to mark that down. You know, I'm going to write that down. It's like they're keeping a record of every mistake that you've ever made. And they're happy to pull out the, the ledger book there and show you all the mistakes you made. And some people, uh, if you think of a person, then you remember what they did to you. Right? I know some people that even have seen people that look like the person who did it to them and got get mad. Okay? Um but real love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Real love, you know, clears it out there and, and is an important thing. Um, sometimes people do this. They keep score. You know, I, I had one cartoon. I didn't use it. It was, a, it was a man, an old man and his wife in bed, and the score was like 9 to 2. <laughs> she, was, she was winning, whatever, right? Uh, some people keep score on stuff. 
You know, I did this for you, and and they expect you to do something back and all that. It's like they're, you know, I learned this early in my marriage from Liz. I washed the dishes once. I hate to wash this. I like to cook. I like to go to the grocery. I wash the dishes. And you know, I made the mistake, and I said this. I washed the dishes for you, honey. What? That wasn't the thing to say. She go, oh, you washed the dishes for me? Did you eat off, you know, blah, 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 blah. I went, oh, man. You don't want to argue with a Fitzgerald. Okay, they're all crazy. Right, Kathy, Kathy right? So they can argue out at the storms. But you don't keep score. I read about this guy. He went to see a counselor. He's having marriage trouble. And he went to see the counselor. And he's talking to the counselor and trying to help this guy work through the trouble with his wife. And, and the guy looks at the counselor. He says, every time me and my wife get in an argument, she gets hysterical. And the counselor says, What? Yeah, he says, yeah, she gets hysterical. The counselor goes, no, you mean hysterical. He goes, no, she gets hysterical. She reminds me of every wrong thing I've ever done. <laughs> Real love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. You know, um, that's just not how it is. Um, keeping score is not love. That's not love. And Paul says, look. Real love isn't self-centered. Real love isn't easily angered. Real love doesn't keep score. So how do you deal with it? There's, there's correctives that I put in my notes. The first one is, the corrective to self-seeking is God-seeking. Uh, the, re- the remedy for selfish love is, 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 is what Jesus said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart. You know, and then love your neighbor as yourself. If you take the focus off of yourself and start to see other people. And for some people, that's really hard to do. But we need to take the, our eyes off ourselves just for a little bit and see that, you know what, there's other people in the world. And there's other people going through stuff. And you're not the only one. And, and so we need to, 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 loot, to be God-seeking, that we uh, need to do that. Love for God and love for others is a mark of, of, of a person who's really a believer. Okay? Uh, Philippians says this, Let each one of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Love is always considering other people's needs. It's not always about me. Uh, it's always about other people. And, and putting love into practice involves just following the example of Jesus. It's the what would Jesus do deal. You know, Jesus loved people. Jesus was considerate. Jesus wasn't judgmental. Jesus was accepting. Jesus was forgiving. Ultimately, Jesus was serving. And so the corrective for that is, is to seek God, right? Um, am I going too fast? Are you going to get out too early? You guys okay? All right. Number two, I'm almost done. The corrective for easily angered is, is, is love acting with patience. Um, it says love is patient and kind. A more literal translation would be love shows patience and extends kindness. Uh, in contrast, patience is, is, is long-tempered. Patience is active. It doesn't have a short fuse. It, it overlooks people's faults. They're, they're not that touchy. Uh, I told you this story before. Years ago, I pastored in Monroe, and uh, there was a guy who came into McDonald's, and, and he got out of his car, and, and uh, he had a really nice car. I don't know what it was, but it was, it was above my pay grade, which, you know, Whatever, but anyway, uh, some way up there. I can't help it. He gets out of his car. Instead of hitting, he wanted to make sure he didn't touch the other guy, hit the other guy's car with his door. So he puts this thing like that over, and it goes like that. And he, he touches the guy's car with his own hand so he doesn't scratch the guy's car. Two seconds, this dude comes out of McDonald's. He's in his face. He's yelling at him. He says, you touched my car. You guys, and the guy tried to explain. I saw the whole thing. The guy was just trying to be nice, but he ate his face. Because he touched his car. Man. Being the great Christian that I am. I said this first verse. Liz just laughed and fell out of the chair. She knows I'm a Christian. Because I demonstrated at home. I'm no different at home than I am here. But being a great Christian back then. I wanted to go to Spencer's Gifts at the Dayton Mall. 
if you're old enough, remember that, and buy some fake puke. <laughs> and I wanted to go back to that guy and go up to his car and go like that and throw it on his car. And watch him have a heart attack. Uh, I didn't, I didn't do that. That was, that was bad of me. I was just as bad as him, right? But he was so touchy. He was ready to go off just like that. And there are people like that. And we as followers of Jesus aren't like that, okay? That we are to act in love and patience and kindness. And, uh, we, we need to demonstrate that. We don't have a short fuse. We have a long fuse. We experience long suffering. And the corrective of keeping a record of wrongs is, is, is loving forgiveness. That we forgive people, you know. It's understanding this. God doesn't keep a record of your wrongs. You got that? Just think about that just for a second. I'm going to get a drink of tea on that. If God kept a record of your wrongs and my wrongs, we're up a creek. Right? Because all of us have messed up. We're all broken people. But God doesn't keep a record of our wrongs. He loves us. With an everlasting love. Listen to what uh, Paul said in Romans. He's actually quoting the Psalms. David says the same thing when he speaks of blessed are the ones to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. In other words, you're saved by grace. It's a gift from God. You come to that place in your life, you decide, I'm going to follow Jesus. You invite him in your life. You get baptized and you go to work and take care of your family and treat your neighbors right. That's it. Okay? We're saved by grace. And God credits us righteousness because it's what Jesus did. Okay? But it goes on. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Right? Amen. So if that's that way with us, then that's how we're supposed to be with other people. That we're supposed to forgive people and we, we deal with the, the keeping the record of wrongs by not doing that. We, we live in forgiveness. Uh, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, Mark talked about this too. If you're in an abusive situation, get out of it. Okay, I'm not talking about that. He even talked about you can love people from afar. But we're supposed to love people and not keep a record of wrong. Um, and we think of the example of Jesus on the cross. What did Jesus say to the people who are killing him? And, and the prayer. He prayed for the people who are killing him. That's a big one. Father, send them all to hell. Was that his prayer? That had been our prayer. Right? Get them, right? Call the lawyer, Lord. Right? So anyway, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, right? And if you remember in the book of Acts, there's a guy named Stephen, and he uh, he was arrested, and, and uh, they brought him out to stone him to death. And listen to what he said. After falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. They're killing him too. And he says, God, don't count this against them. You know, he, where did he learn that? He learned that from Jesus. This is what love isn't right love is not self-seeking it's not easily angered it keeps no records of wrongs so two questions what's god saying to me and what am i going to do about this week so let's just bow our heads for a second and just think about that if you've never decided to follow jesus you can do that uh whatever but we need to work on our love and asking god to help us and ask the holy spirit to help us
Amen. Okay, well, these take it out. And then we have new ones. I think they actually work. I mean, I said that too quick. Oh, no. When all else fails, get your Swiss Army knife out. Got it. We do this every Sunday to remind us of who we are and whose we are. That we've been accepted into the family. And at first Lord's Supper, at the table, there was a guy who denied Jesus. There was a guy who betrayed Jesus. There was a zealot who was like an anti-government dude. Uh, there were tax collectors who everyone hated. There were fishermen who always lied. All fishermen are liars, right? Come on. You guys aren't that holy, right? All these people around the table, but Jesus welcomed them. They were part of his family. And he demonstrated what love was. Even at the end, he got up and washed all their feet to show them. And so every week, he, you know, we do this to remember what Jesus did. And we always start out and we say the Lord's Prayer together. So if you don't know it, it'll be on the screen. Your kids say it upstairs too every week. So they're, they're learning the Lord's Prayer. So let's just say this prayer together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And it says, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, new relationship. Do this in remembrance of me. And Paul, who I talked about already, because we're in 1 Corinthians, Paul, he wrote this letter to correct them. And he said this, every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're demonstrating the Lord's death or you're showing the Lord's death until he returns. And so we remember what Jesus did and we're reminded that we're supposed to do the same thing. So take this and look at your neighbor and say, the body of Christ. And take the cup and look at your neighbor and say, the blood of Christ. Amen. Let's all stand. If you didn't get to take one of those things about school supplies, grab one on the way out there over there by the door and bring them back by something. I don't know when. Um, baptism, if you need to get baptized, let me know. Um, keep in prayer. A guy used to go to a church named Mike Scott. He was in a bad car wreck, and so he's in the hospital. Pray for him. Uh, Shirley Meek, who comes in, in the first service, heard her husband helping the sound, and I heard she, we've been praying for her granddaughter who needed a liver transplant and a heart, heart transplant. So she'd been on a waiting list, and so yesterday she was in surgery for, I don't know, 20 hours. So she got a new heart and a new liver. So we, we thank God, God for that. She called to tell us that, and, and I'm thinking that's awesome, but I'm also thinking someone lost someone to, to provide that. So you've got to pray both ways in those situations, okay? So summarize my sermon, just be nice, okay? <laughs> that's it. Just be nice to each other. Um, so I'm going to say a prayer, eat lunch, go home, take a nap. Sounds good to me. Let's just close in prayer. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you first loved us, that you invited us to be a part of your family by dying on the cross and arising from the dead. So, Lord, as we go from this place today, help us to be loving. Use these hands, God, to reach out to people, to lift them up, to share with them, to encourage them. Thank you, Lord. There are people in my life that have done that for me. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Bless you.